Today, we're going to talk about finding your perfect cycling weight. And it's been kind of a, a year-long journey for me. Well, it's been many years, but <laughs> the last year, over the last year, um, I, I put on some weight and I didn't like it. And I really didn't like the way I looked. And, um, you know, it was it was kind of a struggle. And I was, you know, like, well, I'm getting older. And what do you do? And, you know, I kept... Um, trying to restrict diet and do all these different changes and um, the pounds wouldn't come off. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about um, the solution I found and that Chris helped me find um, to get where I am today. And um, for me, it's like a really um, cool success story, especially over the last two and a half months. So um, real quick, a little bit about Chris. If you guys don't know Christine, I call her Christine professionally and I call her Chris at home. So um, when we introduce ourselves as Matt and Chris, we always joke that we're like the two, the two dudes because it's two dude names, but um, pretty clear she's not a dude. And um, Chris has been working with me since we met 11 years ago and I'm kind of her, her guinea pig or her lab rat. And we do all kinds of things to, you know, um, create longevity in our lives and to be healthy and to, really helped me perform on the bike at, at the highest level possible. And like I was saying a little bit ago, I, I always wanted to be lighter and we'll talk briefly about um, cycling rider types, but in my mind, I always wanted to be, um, you know, the, the really skinny cyclists that um, you see in the tour de France and it just wasn't happening. And like I said, last year, I, I, I gained, I went up in weight, um, really almost 10 pounds more than I had been in the past and, um, just wasn't happy with it. So we pushed really hard and tried a lot of different things. And in December, I started focusing on a new routine and, um, found some amazing results. And what's amazing about the results are is my weight's the same. Um, but my, um, body mass is, is totally, um, has totally changed or my composition has totally changed. So I've got, can we jump in? Yeah. I've got a lot of uh, people okay. here. Can, can you flip back to the one before? I just want to tell a quick, um, backstory about my life. Um, I started my fitness journey when I was 12. Uh, I have a older brother at, he was 15 at the time and, um, he was really into bodybuilding. So I got, really interested into lifting free weights. So I've really been uh, a free weight lifter my entire adult life. I really enjoy lifting. Um, I'm not a cardio person. Um, so I lifted weights all through high school and college, went to college at Butler University and took as many nutrition courses as I possibly could. I'm 54. So I'm baiting myself. I'm, I was there in the eighties. And so everything that I learned in nutrition in the eighties has now been debunked. Uh, you know, between, uh, you know, between the advances in science um, and technology, we now have more um, information about genetics and epigenetics. So I've been a lifelong um, student of nutrition. Uh, my obsession right now is um, quantum biology and light therapies. So uh, that's what I've been doing the past um, six months. But today we are going to talk about body composition and finding your perfect weight. You can do this slide now. So we're going to talk about DEXA scan. DEXA scan is really the gold standard of scans. Um, there's in bodies. There's all kinds of other ones that are great too. 
But what a DEXA scan is, um, it's actually a um, X-ray um, that scans your body that effectively divides your tissue into the following buckets, bone, fat, and other. The other is mostly muscle, but it's also your organs. So that's what we're gonna be looking at today. I know that as cyclists, you all love data. Matt says, it's, if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. So I know how you guys are and you wanna make sure that- I didn't invent that term. But. I'm just saying, you, if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. So um, we're gonna go into the data of a DEXA scan today. Um, looking at a DEXA scan, um, the first thing you're gonna see is your total body fat. And that's a very accurate measurement via the DEXA. So your total body fat divided by total body weight is your body fat percentage. And then we're gonna go to the visceral fat. So the visceral fat is the fat that's around your organs. This is one of the most important parts of the DEXA scan, I believe, because that is where disease happens or disease can be prevented. So um, if you're gonna have um, excess energy in any way in your body, you want to have it in your um, subcutaneous, subcutaneous pockets of fat and not around your organs. And we're going to go through um, one of my favorite doctors, Dr. Peter Atia's um, DEXA scans, because he has 11 years of them. And I don't know of anyone else that has 11 years of, of data. So we're going to use that as um, part of the presentation. And then we're going to um, also look at mats too. So what I like about what Peter, his example, he uses that everybody has a sort of a different size bathtub. And so your genetic um, capacity to store fat in that safe space in your body is different for everybody. But the water coming in the bathtub is what you're eating. And the water leaving the bathtub through the drain is the energy expenditure. You'll either be a net accumulating or a net losing water in that bathtub. But if you get to the point where you exceed your bathtub's capacity, you'll hold water and you'll start to spill over. Really bad things will happen. Um, nobody likes even a small amount of water on their floors and God forbid their drains and heating ducts. So basically what he's saying is when you gain any kind of fat, you want it in that area and not in the visceral fat. So we will be looking at that number very closely. And then the um, third thing is the bone density. So when I saw Jeremy... Um, at VQ Labs last year, I wasn't even going to get a DEXA scan because I was freaked out about the fact that it was an x-ray and I don't want to have any more x-rays than I need to. But after reading and understanding how low grade the x-ray was, it's definitely beneficial for bone density. And as a 54-year-old woman, um, bone density is very important to me, along with all of you, it's very important. But as you go through menopause, as I am doing now, bone density really, really um, can, you know, tank. So what I like about Jeremy's um, DEXA scan is it does a really good job on showing your, um, your bone density. So they basically take your bone density and they take a Z-score. And that Z-score is your age, sex matched. So if you have a good Z-score, then your bones are dense. And if you don't, then you'll have a deviation from that. So we'll go through into that more in depth if we want. Then the ALMI is uh, calculated by looking at the lean mass of your arms and legs in kilograms and dividing that by your height in meters squared. I know this is a lot of math. 
but the FFMI um, takes the total fat-free mass in your body and divides it by your height in meters squared. These are just information for you guys to look at when you do get, get a DEXA scan. Um, the standard is getting 75% or above in those numbers. So if you have body um, muscle mass of 75% or more, you are in like the elite group. So that's what we're going to be looking at. And how often should you get one? Um, that varies. If you're really looking to make a change in your body composition, um, the suggestion would be every two to three months. Um, I know Jeremy says every two to three months too. So you can really um, get a good feel of how you're doing and how you're um, changing your body composition by your workouts and your nutrition. Um, and then if you feel like, you know, you've, you've hit your goal of what, how you want to look every six months, maybe even every a year. All right. So we're going to go to the next slide, which is, that is Dr. Peter Atia. I love him. He's great. He's one of my favorite doctors, but I have like a million doctors that I follow. So you just like him because he has my haircut. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I like this because um, he has 11 years of data, which is great. And he started when he was um, 38 years old. So this is a lot like Matt Tanner. So again, he's 50 now. Um, Peter Atia is 50 and Matt just turned 49. So they're a little bit off, but I like um, the progression that we took from 2011 to 2022. So his first DEXA, just to give him background of it, he was a cyclist. He was cycling, swimming, and lifting, and he was also carb restricting. So we're at, if you look at his total mass, he was at 100, about 180 pounds. His lean mass is about 156 pounds. And so you take his fat percentage and his body fat's at 9.3%. 9, 9 that is super lean. That's a 38-year-old super lean guy, okay? And he's carb restricting. That's the only thing he's doing in his diet. And then his second DEXA in August, he's dropped a few pounds because he's gone completely keto. Okay. So keto, as many of you know, it's high fat, moderate protein, low carb. He's still cycling um, and swimming and lifting. Okay. So we go to the next three DEXAs. 7.5. And he's, yeah, and he's lowered his body fat to 7.5. So he's gone from just carb restricting to actual fix, physically going keto, and he's dropped about one and a half percent in body fat. So he's super lean now, like, like crazy lean, but he's now 39. You take the next couple, the next three DEXs, he's strict keto. So as you can see, he's gone from 174 to 167 he is like completely shredded so he's like super because he's six feet tall so that's a that's a really really skinny skinny number but then his lean mass as you can see has also gone down a little bit um and then if you go over to the body fat his body fat is actually the same as it was back when he was 180 pounds so this keto diet has taken away a lot of his muscle mass but he's also lost a lot of weight, you know? So just because he's skinny doesn't mean that he's gotten more muscle. He actually has 10 pounds less muscle at 167 pounds from back in um, May of 2011. Can I interject? Yeah. And we know, we know what Dr. Atiyah's um, 
sport was or what he was doing athletically, cycling, swimming, lifting. Um, we don't have any performance data to know if his performance got better or, you know, if he put out less power watts um, during this time of, of losing this lean mass. But I have my own theories on. And he was competing in time trials. So he, yeah, he was, he was a, time, a time trial. Yes. Go ahead. Time trial rider. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And he was competing in it, not just riding. So um, during those last three now in 2014, if you look at his 2014, he's at 171 pounds. He stopped keto and went into time restricted and prolonged fasting. So he was a, he was a guy that what I would do is I, he would do a seven day water fast every quarter and he would do a three day water fast every month. And he did that in 2014 to 2016, which is a lot like, and he would eat OMAD. So he would eat one meal a day and he would do all this fasting. He um, did stop riding as much as he did before because he had children. So now he has small children in his house. His practice is taking off. He's still riding his bike, but riding less and still working out as much as he was just not as riding as much as he wanted to. So again, this is his fasting and time restricted feeding that he's done between 2014 and 2000, basically 2020. So if you look at his 2014, he's at 8.4% body fat. And then all the way up to 2020, he's almost the same weight, but he's up to 16% body fat. So his argument was his, when he was doing all of this um, time-restricted feeding, it really wasn't good for him. You know, it was good for autophagy. You know, he probably, you know, gave him um, uh, prolonged life and, and health and vitality. But in reality, it really brought his body fat back up because he wasn't as lean as he used to be because he was fasting so much. A lot of people that do, are in the longevity groups, which I'm in as well, Fasting is very important um, to get rid of senescent cells. A lot of people do it and like for cancer. Um, if you have any kind of diseases, fasting is really great. But I think for what Peter was doing, it was too much and it was for too long of a time. Then in 2021, if you go to the, yeah, he was 176 pounds. So he's about five pounds heavier. Um, he shifted to high protein and stopped fasting completely. Like he, no more fasting, did three meals a day just ate normally, but increased his protein to 40 grams per sitting. So he wouldn't eat unless it had at least 40 grams in it. You're wasting your time, you're wasting your money, and you're wasting calories if you just eat without making sure you get your 40 grams. So that's what he did. So basically he went from, he gained five pounds, but then he lost two percentage in body fat. So you can see just by him, stopped fasting, started adding protein and adding protein to protein consistently, he's actually dropped his body fat 2%, which is a lot. And he gained what, five pounds. So he, he had this inverse reaction, which that's really, really hard to do. Um, and he did it in eight months. Yeah, like eight months. So that's like, that's crazy. Then after that, 2022, if you go back, back to January or February, he had shoulder surgery between um, February and December. And as you can see, his weight went skyrocketing. 
Um, he didn't work out as much. He basically just ate with abandonment, but he always made sure that he had his 40 grams of protein per meal. And he didn't even care. He's like, I just ate, if there was something in front of me, I ate it. So he really didn't care at that moment between those eight months or 10 months, he gained 10 pounds in weight. That's a lot. But his lean mass also went up, you know, three pounds. And he really didn't, his body fat went up about 3%. <clears throat> so for him, so shoulder surgery, having me bedridden for a while, um, eating whenever he wanted to, and just being totally relaxed in his diet, he really kind of stayed in a pretty good position. Um, and if you look at his fat, so his visceral fat, is it 100? These are in grams, by the way. So 113 grams, just to put it in perspective, that's only 0.21 pounds, two tenths of a pound. So that is like, he has no visceral fat. He is super shredded, even though he's at 16% body fat. So that is, that's a pretty um, eye-opening number because unfortunately we don't know what his um, visceral fat was down in 2011, all these areas because he, they weren't calculating it back then. But Jeremy's um, uh, at, at uh, VQ Labs, they do calculate that, which is great. So then he decreases his body fat to 14% in the next one, but his visceral fat goes up. Again, let's put it in perspective, that's six tenths of a pound. So anyway, though, just, just know that the visceral fat is very, very low. All right, next one. Now, Matt's. Um, there's Jeremy at the top talking to Matt and going over his um, stats. So Matt is, Matt's done two uh, DEXA scans. Last year, he was 175.5 pounds. And this year, he's 174.6 pounds. So there, he's a pound off. So if you're somebody who's watching the scale, you're gonna be like, oh, I'm, a, I'm like within the same weight that I was last year. I should be, you know, I should be feeling the same. I should look the same. My performance should be the same. But in reality, if you look, he has gained 10 pounds in muscle and lost 10 pounds in fat. So his body fat percentage went from 16.9, which is very still very good for a man, to 11.2%, which is like super, super lean. And if you look at his visceral fat, it's not even funny because he's at 0.88 pounds before, and now he's at one. 15th of a pound now. So he's, there's like no problems with any kind of visceral fat. Um, and this all happened really within, what do you say? Four months, three months, three, two and a half, two. And, we started what in December, December 1st is when we started new protocols. And so the reason why this is such a drastic change is because what we did is we changed his diet to a protein rich diet. And so things to remember, um, you know, your optimal weight isn't always the lightest, you know, Matt talked about how cyclists want to be the lightest that they can be, um, more muscle obviously means more stored, stored glycogen. And for you guys that are cyclists, you know, how important stored glycogen is. Um, so you, it's readily available when you ride, um, and more muscle can mean less body fat, not necessarily. Um, and another thing I like too is age. So what you can do at 38 is not what you can do at 48. What I did at 35, I can't do at 54. So you just have to always remember that every year you get older, you need to pivot, adjust. And with these kinds of DEXA scans, you'll be able to take this data and really help. I always say, change your body on the eights. 
28, 38, 48, 58, 68. That's when your body is really going to change. And so take those two years, that eight to the next decade to really, really hone in on what your diet's doing, how your sleep is, you know, what your performance is like, what your mental capacity is. And with the DEXA is just one more um, thing you can use to, to fix that. And then obviously um, writer types have specific needs that Matt can talk about because I won't spend a ton of time on this. We have a lot of people from Cinch Cycling on the call. We have um, Holly and Steven that are coaches. I'm a coach with Cinch Cycling. And this is something we really study when we get new riders or new athletes assigned to us to coach. Um, but there's four rider types and they're a climber, a classics TT, a air, and a sprinter. And um, there's a lot of... Um, attributes to those riders beyond just the physical side. Like I'm a classics TT rider and TT riders are typically engineer minded and want to have everything calculated. And, um, you know, everything has to be in order. Whereas a sprinter is more of like an artist where they're just kind of free flow and, you know, anything goes and they love chaos. So what I want to talk about today is really quickly, just the physical characteristics of these, these riders and, this is kind of like I was saying earlier, like I always wanted to be, you know, really lean and lightweight, um, but that's not my rider type. So I was trying to force my physique into a rider type that's not my strong suit. So um, just real quickly, and maybe you can kind of figure out where you're at if you're a cyclist uh, as to which kind of rider you are from from studying some of this in more detail, or if you'd like to know the full we have a little test we use at Cinch that pretty much tells you who you are really quickly. So I can share that with you guys if you want that later. But the climbers are typically smaller in stature, statue, and they um, are very lean and super lightweight. Uh, the classics TTs, like myself, are a little bit taller. I'm 5'10". I'm not super tall. Um, more muscular and long femurs, which long femurs was like a, a light bulb going off when I saw that the first time I heard this. I was like, oh, my femurs are super long. So um, that's my rider type, uh, a punch air, they're shorter. They have a solid frame. They're a little bit more muscular sometimes than the classics TT, and they have a really ideal center of gravity. And then the sprinters are the guys you see, um, like at the velodrome that are, they look like they could be bodybuilders. They're even sometimes a little bit shorter. They're super muscular, um, really low center of gravity as well. So those are kind of the different rider types. And I think the key to this is, is, is learning which category you best fit in and trying to change your body or adapt your body composition to fit those, um, attributes and you'll be a more successful cyclist. And then we always try to coach our athletes to then also practice in the other rider type skills, because, you know, there's going to be a day when I have to do a sprint and I'm terrible at it, but if I practice at it, I can get better. So, um, know who you are and, and play to your strengths and build the body around who you need to be on the bike. So the next is diet types and <clears throat> basically diet types, any of these work for cyclists. You just have to find the one that works best for you. And the reason why all of these work, so we can go through them real quick, diet restriction, that just means restricting certain foods, time restriction, obviously you restrict the time. Uh, calorie restriction, you restrict the amount of calories you take in. And you can be carnivore, paleo, vegan, keto, doesn't matter. 
the key to all of the successes of any of these diets is protein. Um, the myth of proteins too is all proteins, all proteins are alike. They're not. If you ate um, hummus, you're going to get about 12% of that protein bio available for your body to use. But if you eat essential amino acids, EAAs, you're going to use 100% of those essential amino acids as um, uh, protein, pro for, for, for protein synthesis. So for me, I like to um, make sure that I eat the highest amino acid utilization, the AAU, as possible. And I and Matt as well, we we try and do a one-to-one -one ratio. So he weighs 175 pounds. He needs to eat 175 grams of protein. I weigh 115 pounds. I need to at least get 115 grams of protein. Per day. Per day. And make sure when you eat, always hit that 40 grams of protein per serving. Because again, you're going to waste your time. You're going to waste your money and you're going to waste your calories if you don't hit that 40 grams. And the reason why that's so important is protein synthesis only happens when you meet that threshold. If you're over 40, you're gonna have to eat 40 grams or more to, to meet that threshold. If you're younger, you know, you can spread your protein out however you want. But once you hit 40, your body just is not as efficient. And so for it to turn that protein into muscle and use the fat on your body, to, to actually change your body composition, you have to hit that 40 grams. And for men, you can go to 50 grams, 50 grams every meal to make up the total number that you need for the day is very, very important. And so for us, like he just ate salmon for lunch. And so he didn't have 40 grams in the salmon. So he popped some amino acids um, to be able to hit the 40 grams. I don't care what kind of amino acids you use. You can use pro, um, powder, you can use pills. You can use whatever, but those are a great supplement um, to make sure that you hit your goal every day. And every meal, again, I'm going to go back to 40 grams per meal. Yeah, my um, add in real quick, my um, epiphany that we're going to talk about next was in December. Like I said, for a year, like my weight wasn't changing. And I felt like when I looked in the mirror, I wasn't as 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 lean as I was in years past. And um, in December, we adjusted and I really focused on eating 40 grams of protein per serving. And um, I think I was doing pretty good at getting that one to one daily ratio, but I wasn't getting 40 grams at every serving. And that was for me a huge change. And all of December, I kept getting on the scale. I get on the scale every morning at like 5 a.m. when I wake up and the scale wasn't changing and, and it wasn't trending in any direction. You know, when I get on the scale, it could be four or five pounds different every day because it just fluxes that much. But it was always around 170, 175. And, and I was frustrated, but I kept having really good rides. And we'll talk about that real quick. I In December, I broke nine of my lifetime power records pretty much just doing my workouts on the trainer. It wasn't like I was um, trying to break records. I was just riding at an elevated level. So I knew something was going on. By Christmas, I was feeling my sides and I couldn't feel the love handle I had for a year. Um, and I was like, I think something's changing. And Chris would even say to me, like, you feel like you're bigger and stronger when I hug you. Um, she didn't say hug, but we'll use that for the presentation. Um, and so I, I knew my body was changing, but the weight wasn't. And I was still kind of frustrated. 
And then January came around and we, we do a lot of Zwift races on Saturdays. And, um, one Saturday we were doing a race and I hit my one hour, I rebroke like six of my lifetime records again and set a one hour power record that, um, you know, I, I didn't have any idea I could do. So, you know, it was like 40 Watts higher than my previous one hour, um, number. So I knew I was getting a lot stronger and, um, I was kind of like, okay, well, maybe I just need to accept this weight um, at 175 and I'm loving the extra power. Like I feel really, really strong. My body feels strong and um, I feel good. So I just kind of went with it. And then this week we decided to go visit Jeremy and get a DEXA scan. And that's when we were kind of like had the huge aha moment when we found the the fat loss and the muscle gain. So my, you know, my weight didn't change, but my composition really did. And is this my slide? Yes. And so the way I achieved that um, is really, this isn't a total sales pitch, but you can get these, these products from the straight fuel website, but um, utilizing creatine every morning. Um, I drink, I put a scoop of creatine in my coffee. First thing um, it's, it's five grams of creatine, but it really helps me store more glycogen in my muscles and then using the aminos for, um, a supplement when I feel like I don't get enough protein in my, in my, my meat or the other protein sources I eat has really helped me get to that 40 gram threshold every day. And, um, they're also, the aminos are really good for recovery and even for fueling, um, in your ride, it fires your ATP off, which is, is your energy sources in your muscles. And then as a, you know, a uh, um, little bit more of a sales pitch for you guys, the, the straight super fuel that we created last year um, is a super clean carb source and it has a little bit of creatine in it, again, just to help you um, store more glycogen in your muscles and it doesn't have any sugar, so it doesn't create inflammation. And I'm actually starting to kind of find our audience that um, I would say middle-aged athletes that are struggling with inflammation and a lot of, you know, um, middle-aged problems, they're, they're finding a lot of, um, success using straight super fuel. So, um, those are kind of the three keys to what I've found over the last two months to really change my body composition and also, um, produce more power than I've ever done in my life at age 49. So, is that it? Yeah. Oh. Anybody questions or anything like that? Um, and I'll say Chris really wanted me to put this picture back up. I know probably Steven Strayer and Warren, I know you're enjoying it, but um, it's really for my wife to see yeah. mm -hmm. her hard work pay off. Yeah, um, it is. We will make this um, slideshow available to all you guys so you can click back through it. There's some some hot links in the presentation, but there's also some resources here if you want to um if you're in the Indianapolis area and you want to schedule a time with Jeremy, you can go to Vision Quest Labs. He's offered up a discount code for you guys. It's called, it's just straight. Um, if you're not in the area, there's hundreds of DEXA scan locations around the country. This is a map that'll give the give those to you. And then we have my full report. You guys are welcome to snoop through that um, and see what a, a report looks like when you get it. Um, this printable protein guide is something we worked on with Chris's um, business, U-20. Um, we launched it this week or last week? The printable guide we launched last week. And it's it's basically a protein cheat sheet of like 
which proteins have the highest utilization available, um, how many grams per ounce of different kinds of, you know, beef, fish, um, white fish versus, you know, fatty fish. Um, it's something you could print off and carry in your wallet or your purse and take, you know, like, you know, we were at a restaurant and you're like, I don't know if this is enough protein for my 40 grams, pull out this little card. It'll really help you out. Uh, a link to my bundle. If you guys are interested in that, uh, more information about Christine, the, the coach, and there's some additional information on the straight fuel website. This link will just pull up all of those, um, little articles for you guys all at once. I have a question that, um, Stephen had, and I think this is a good one. So if you're eating carbs to make sure you have enough fuel for cycling, is it okay to eat the protein with the carbs or is it best for the protein to be eaten on its own and then carbs on their own? You're asking me? I'm, I'm just saying. Because I was reading a question on the chat. Okay, um, just quickly, yes. Uh, you guys all obviously need carbs to do what you do, um, but you definitely need to hit your protein number first and then eat as many carbs as you need on the bike. It's not... The carb, you you have to decide how many carbs you need based on what you're doing that day and and, and what kind of um, workout you have, as, as you guys all know. But it's very, very important, though, to still make sure that you hit those protein uh, 40 grams per meal. And depending on how many meals you need that day, it will depend on how you space them apart. So make sure that there's at least a couple hours in between each time. I have a I have a client that's six foot six, and so he has to eat six times a day. And so he's doing three shakes, uh, three protein shakes, and then he eats three meals. So, yeah, he's 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 giant. He's huge, and he's muscular. Yeah. Um, we had a question in the chat that I'll answer real quick from um, Ken. He asked if if is there a loading phase for using creatine daily, and that's creatine's been researched like more than any supplement in the world for for decades. Um, seventy years. There's seventy years. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's mixed reviews on that. My take on it is I do five grams every day. I don't think you need to do a loading phase. If you want to accelerate the benefits, you can take up to like 20 or 25 a day and five, five gram increments. Um, my thing is it's, it's kind of the, the more stuff you have to remember to do like that, the more I tend to forget. So if I can just do it first thing in the morning, I'm done um, and get it out of the way. That's, that's the way I like to do it. So I like to load. Um, if you are somebody that's not in very good shape, I would say load. If you're in amazing shape, just start adding it to your daily routine. I want to throw this out to you guys. Um, anybody that has any questions, I can either unmute you. I think you might be able to unmute yourself if you can. Um, feel free to do so. And Holly has um, Holly's got one here too. But if you have questions, feel free to speak up. Holly says, how much should you expect to pay for a DEXA scan is the and is the 40 grams of protein per meal universal or independent of weight and gender? So I think the DEXA scans, I'm, if Jeremy can speak up, she can tell me for sure. But I think they're around $150. Um, they're yeah, not super. Go ahead. Yeah, we Jeremy's for, on. We retail it for $150, but then with the straight discount code, you guys get 25% off of that. So I think it ends up being $112.50. So Hands down. I mean, if you tried to go get a doctor's note for a DEXA scan um, and if you're paying out of your pocket, you could pay anywhere from two to three hundred dollars. So you get a pretty good deal. So, yeah. And you don't need a doctor's note. I had that question a couple of times. Um, you can go in and get a DEXA scan without a prescription or a doctor's note. That's not an issue. 
Um, Holly's other question, is the 40 grams of protein per meal universal or independent of weight and gender? Chris, take that one. Um, it is really independent of weight and gender. It's really based on age. So as we get older, the, the, the key for that 40 grams is the leucine content. So you have to push that leucine content above five grams as you're eating your protein. And that is really what causes the protein synthesis in your body to produce muscle and use the fat that's in your, in your body as, as it is already in there. So go by age more than anything else. And women, obviously, you know, we're smaller and we're not small men. We're actually women. So we have a whole other set of hormone issues and things like that. But I have not had an issue and I've spoken to many other female doctors that the 40 grams really is the best threshold for women to hit every time you eat a meal. So if you're a little person, you may only have to hit, you know, three meals a day at 40 grams to get hundred. If you weigh 120 pounds, you know, if you weigh hundred pounds, you may only have to do it twice, twice a day, but you hitting that threshold is really the most important, no matter if you're male, female, but it goes by age. Any other questions? I had um, somebody else submit a question that was uh, essentially like in regards to macros, like what percentage of protein and carbs and fat. And to be real frank and honest, I don't focus on that very much. I make sure I get my protein in, like Chris said earlier, first thing. And then I eat the carbs that I think I'm going to need for my day, my workout or the next day. So if I'm, if I'm racing over the weekend, I'll usually eat more carbs leading up to it. Um, but I always focus on the protein and, um, you know, three months in I've had really good success. So I'm going to keep doing that and, and doing what's working. And there's another thing too, we can eat high fat. Our bodies are able to eat high fat. So we eat a lot of fat. There's a lot of people. I have a couple of clients that can't eat fat at all. It just makes them nauseous and sick. So you have to figure out what is best for your body, but the protein should always be that number one factor. And then factor in obviously the carbs and the fat and fat is important, but if your body can't tolerate it, then don't shove it down your throat. So give you guys a chance to ask questions. I've got one more in the queue here, but, um, anybody have any questions they want to ask, uh, Uh, I got a quick question. Yeah. I, I was curious, um, what if you don't feel like uh, eating, for me, 185, 189 grams of protein in a day? You know, it feels like you got to get up early and plan a second meal, third meal, fourth meal. Uh, is there any suggestions around that? Yes, but it, it, <laughs> it is a job. Ryan, you are the perfect example because you have such a high metabolism. You're still very young and you're a very big guy. So you are going to have to eat a lot and it is a job. I mean, it's, it's a chore. Um, and for you, it's just always going to be a chore. So you just have to like do the math and make sure that you plan your day out accordingly. Don't don't ever wake up and not have a plan, you know, have that plan. So, you know, okay, I'm going to do a protein shake in the morning, right before I leave. And then I'm going to have breakfast. And then I'm going to have a, another protein shake at right before lunch. And I'm going to have lunch. I mean, you know, you're just, you're one of those people that you're just going to have to plan, but it's, it's, it is a chore, but you will see such a difference. And you know this because I mean, you've started lifting again and, you know, 
you've seen your body change, but for you at 34, I think you are, is that right? 34? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're, you don't have to really hit that 40 grams, you know what I mean? Because you're still young enough, but just in the back of your mind, always remember that as you get older, there is going to be a threshold that you're going to have to hit. So start out with a plan. You don't have to, you can be more, you know, lackadaisical about the 40 grams because you're so young, but there's going to be a point where you're going to notice that you're just eating and it's not working. So. Gotcha. Thank you. We've got one from Ken here in the chat. Um, I'm going to paraphrase this question that he's, he's a runner and a cyclist and he feels like his, um, weight for riding and and the power is good but his weight is a little bit heavy for running and the impact on his body and in, in running um and he's asking how do we find the middle ground for that um I, that's a tough one ken because um whenever you're a duathlete or a triathlete there's you know you're you're combining multiple sports um into one event a lot of times and i think the really successful like Ironman that you see when, when I look at them on TV, I've, I've never done an Ironman. I'll never do an Ironman. Um, they're always like lean, muscular, bigger, bigger guys. Um, and, and the women, I would say, follow that um, mold a, a, a lot too. And running's hard. Running's hard on, on everybody's body. And if you're running with a lot of extra weight, I think if you're not doing it competitively but you enjoy it i i would recommend you know dialing it back i i try to do some running on my rest days to create impact and help my bone density um become stronger um but when i run um one of my athletes is on the call morgan she always makes fun of me because my runs are like 10 or 15 minutes and i usually go really really hard and and she always makes fun of me she's like you didn't do any warm-up and i'm like well like I'm, I'm, I'm coming out hot. Like I, I don't need to warm up. I'm just going to run. You know, I'm just, I just go run like Forrest Gump. You know, I don't, <laughs> there's no technique. It's just go pound it out. So, um, your, your question is really hard one to answer, but I think if you, um, I, I don't know how many miles or and whatnot you're running, but I think if you could do shorter distance, um, it would be less, destructive or, or negative impact on your body, even if your weight's ideal for your cycling and the power on the bike, um, that would be my suggestion, but I'm a cyclist. So that's, that's my answer. I have another question. So, um, when should you take aminos to supplement? Um, aminos take about 20 minutes to digest where if you're eating a piece of animal protein, um, it's going to take about an hour. So I would suggest eating whatever meal you have and then supplement with um, the aminos afterwards because you don't want to take them first and then eat. Uh, so that way, hopefully, they'll all kind of be digesting at the same time. That was a question. Mm -hmm. And then um, what was the other one? If I go over my protein intake on some days, is it okay? For men, yes. For women, no, because... Honestly, our uh, hormones aren't going to be able to handle that much protein extra. It's just going to turn to glycogen and then it's going to store, be stored as fat. So us women over the age of 40 really have to dial in our calories 
as well as our protein where men don't necessarily have to do that. Um, we got one from Warren real quick. How does hydration fit into this? The amount, salt types, et cetera. Um, I mean, honestly, Warren, I think it's its own discussion. And I, I would honestly refer to Jeremy. You're, um, Warren, yes. you're in the area and Jeremy's got um, some other tests at VQ Labs. Um, one of them is a sweat analysis test that will tell you exactly how much sodium you need. And, and that amount can actually change. Obviously today it's, I don't know, it's 20, 30 degrees outside. Um, you know, you're not going to sweat as much if you go outside and ride today as you would in August and the humidity is going to be different. So the, 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 the amount of sodium and, and things like that, your body is going to require actually changes, you know, with the season or with the conditions. Can Jeremy talk about it? A um, bit? Yeah. Jeremy, if you want to talk, go for it. Yeah. So when somebody comes in and does a sweat test with us, um, typically what we're doing is we're telling you how much sodium you're losing per liter of sweat loss and kind of going off of what Matt was saying, um, different climate conditions dictate fluid loss. So cooler climates, you're not going to lose as much fluid. So you're not going to lose as much sodium as opposed to the hotter, more humid conditions where you're going to lose a lot more fluid, thus losing more sodium through that. So we're able to tell you exactly how much sodium you're losing per that liter. And then we work with you to kind of develop a, we send you with a spreadsheet and we kind of tell you how to fill it out so that you can go into those different climate conditions and have a really good idea of what your fluid loss is so that you can kind of dial in your overall net loss for how much sodium you need versus how much fluid you're physically losing and also knowing how much fluid you need to replace as well. Awesome. Cool. Any other questions? Yeah, we'll do last call on questions here. And if anybody has a question, they don't feel comfortable asking in the group, just email me and, and Chris and I will reply to you privately. It's um, we're, we're happy to help after the call too. All right. Nobody. Nope. All right. Well, um, guys, thanks for joining in. It was a, a, we had a great turnout. This was awesome. And um, if you want more information, um, about uh, Chris's stuff, go to u-20.com. If you want to know more about my stuff, go to straightfuel.com. Um, and if you have uh, any thoughts or comments, you can put them on social media or email us or whatever you want to do, and we'll be happy to chat more. Yep. Thanks. So, thanks, guys.